Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Bruce Arena era is over here in New England. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, part of the Believe Network. We're coming to you after quite the dramatic day for the New England Revolution after it was announced late last night that head coach and sporting director Bruce Arena resigned from the New England Revolution after spending six weeks on administrative leave. Oh, and the Revolution also played a game, uh, blowing a lead in this one at the very end of stoppage time for the second week in a row, this time resulting in a 1-1 draw at Minnesota United. All is not good in Revs land right now. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today by Andy Judd of Revs Nation. Andy, how's it going after last night (laughs) oh you know i I, i've had better nights i think um i i was wondering who was going to win the uh post bruce arena news uh roulette to to come on the show and i guess it's me and i don't know if i feel great about that or if i feel maybe a little scared (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. when i was asking you to come on this week's show i don't think anyone knew the bruce arena news was going to drop this week but i guess it was only a matter of time um but i think after six weeks it's you know (laughs) who knows right right yeah it had to happen eventually i suppose yeah, well, we got a lot to talk about. Before we jump into it, I want to quickly mention one of our sponsors. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to minute stats, news, and scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Also, you can bet on soccer. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to get in on the game remember to use promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts so lots to cover here i think we will talk about the game of course uh but before we do i think we need to talk about what really is the bigger news of the weekend which is what we've been waiting on for six weeks uh, shortly before the game paulo moore and tom bogart of the athletic um i don't think it's any surprise to us that the, the athletic was kind of the one to, to break this they've been doing a great job over there um, but they released a piece revealing a lot of sources i think they talked to 12 different sources um some of them confirmed something some of them confirmed other things um, but their investigation revealed that some of the questions asked by investigators about Bruce Arena centered around comments that Arena allegedly made behind closed doors and to his coaching staff. Um, And in particular, that some of the complaints were made by assistant coach and interim head coach, Richie Williams, who adding to the complications was apparently told earlier this season, he would not be returning in 2024 and to look for a new job. So which is another interesting fact of all this, but arena met with the MLS commissioner, Don Garber on Tuesday and the Kraft family on Thursday after the game, it was announced he had resigned and that the league confirmed that certain of the allegations you know, had, had happened. Um, and he will now have to petition the commissioner if he is to work again in MLS. So a lot to digest there, but at the same time, still a lot of things we don't know, right? We, we don't know what he said that was you know so bad that led to him having to resign. Um, you know, it, it's not a great look that a coach that was told he wouldn't be returning next season was apparently one of the people that complained. But it's it's at the same time, it's hard to judge because we don't know what he was complaining about, right? Right. Yeah, I, I, that really complicates a lot of this is, is we have new information now, um, but we don't have 
complete information, right? So we, you know, we have some new facts that came out. You know, obviously we know that he has has resigned, and that we know uh, that some of the allegations were found to be, uh, you know, have some some facts behind them. Um, but without really knowing, you know, the scale or or you know what was even said, it's it's hard to to you know glean too much information and, and be able to choose sides not that we we should be looking to do that but i mean it's it's tough when when the information we have is so major but also provides so little detail yeah it, it is very tough and a lot of people are quick to you know, jump at richie williams hey this guy was you know not coming back next year and now he uses this as an opportunity to oust the coach and you know, take over as interim head coach but again we don't we don't know what was said and the fact that you know the league has taken this so seriously that he has to petition the commissioner if he's kind of back in the league implies it was probably pretty bad, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's my assumption, right? I, I, I don't think Reds fans should be particularly surprised by the way that this has ended with Bruce Arena and resigning, um, just reading the tea leaves. <laughs> you know, we have a, a investigation that's being led by the league, uh, that hired a, an outside law firm, that's been going on for 40 something days. Like, you know, it's, it's not crazy to look at those facts and think, Oh yeah, well there's, there's enough substance there that this is legitimate and uh, needs to be taken seriously. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's a huge surprise that, that it ended up this way. Um, but yeah, without knowing too much details about what was said, it's, you know, it, it's tough to, to know, you know, how to feel about it. If you're a refs fan, I can imagine. And I wasn't expecting to get any details after the game in the post-game press conference, but we should note the post-game press conference was canceled, uh, which, given everything that's going on, I'm not surprised about. But I personally don't recall ever seeing that happen before. Which, I, and I know the league has, you know, policies about this stuff that you know can result in fines when guys don't talk to the media. I I do wonder how that's going to be handled given the circumstances. Right. Yeah. For me, it's it, it's the right decision. Um, I it, from everything I've heard, I don't think that the the team players, coaches knew that this was was going to go down uh, when it did. So throwing, you know, the players, especially after that game, you know, right into the crosshairs of, of the media. Um, that, that doesn't seem particularly fair, you know, particularly the players, but uh, especially to Richie as well, who's now found himself kind of at the the epicenter of this. So, you know, with with just having played a game and, and no time to, you know, even comprehend what's what's headed their way. It, it didn't make a lot of sense to me to, to have them, you know, have to face the the firing squad of the media right after that game. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, there's a lot of other interesting kind of side points here, too, right? Is that, you know, Omar Gonzalez kind of came out defending Bruce Arena, you know, wanting him to come back. Carles heel a while ago did the same. We saw Shari Joseph post, I think, on Instagram and on Twitter talking about how great Bruce Arena was to him. Uh, so I think all these things kind of complicate things. And now the way this athletic report was written and, you know, again, saying that Richie Williams was one of the com- people that complained, I have to imagine things are going to be pretty awkward this week within the team, again, without knowing more of what was actually said. And it seems like a lot of players don't know what was actually said to lead to this. It's I don't know. It's, it's, this is a very big week for the revolution that I, I could I hate to say make or break the season, depending on how they're able to sort this stuff out. It's, it just seems like this is a, kind of a turning point for the Revs now that you know Bruce Arena is gone. It seems like Richie Williams is probably going to be the interim coach for the rest of the season, I would imagine. How do they get past the fact that a lot of these guys were defending Bruce Arena, and now it turns out from the athletic article that you know Richie Williams, who's now the coach, was part of, probably part of the reason he's no longer here. 
Yeah, I mean that that to me was the major takeaway from from that article that they they published at the Athletic um, was that we just you know given given Richie's involvement, um, we're really going to find a lot out about this team uh, you know over the next probably week or so um, because they're you know whether or not there's you know there's substance to the the allegations which it seems like there are or whether or not you know what the scale of things are that we don't know. Um, it seems possible, if not likely, that there are going to be some players on the team who who liked Bruce and who don't, you know, maybe they don't have all the details and maybe they'll be filled in. Um, but, you know, this is the kind of thing that can that can divide a locker room, especially when you have uh, the interim head coach, um, you know, involved in in the decisions or sorry, in the, you know, in the process by which uh, Bruce Arena, you know, stepped down. So, you know, we're going to find out a lot about this team's mentality. We're going to find out a lot about, you know, how, you know, Richie Williams is able to manage the players during this, um, during this kind of situation. Um, because this, this could get ugly fast. Um, if there's, you know, if two camps kind of, uh, form within in the Revs locker room. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And we should note this is a revolution team that is still, despite all this, in second place, both in the Eastern Conference and overall in the league. So the expectations for this revolution team you know, should still be pretty high, given how well they've done this season, despite all this, and maybe despite the negative taste this past week has left in our mouth from the past two games, which we'll, we'll get into. Um, but I, I don't think we can ignore the fact that this is all happening while the Revolution are sitting in second place in the overall league standings, you know, with a team that I think you were a lot of people were hopeful could ma- at least make a deep playoff run, um, and of course all of this kind of throws a wrench into that. Uh, but we have a lot more to talk about with Bruce Arena. We have a lot of questions about him that we will get to. Um, I think unless you have anything else to add here, I think now is probably a good time to maybe talk about the game and then jump back into this. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. All right, so we'll, we'll talk about from going from one piece of bad news to another sort of piece of bad news. Um, let's get into our takeaways from this one, which are brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at Any Rebellion and on their website at anyrebellion.org. Now, the Revolution got off to a good start in the first half. They scored in, I believe, the 38th minute. Carles Heel on an assist from Nacho Heel. Very nice goal the Rev scored. Uh, didn't look good. Overall in this game, I think they were outshot something like twenty-seven to seven. You know, going deep into stoppage time, I can't say I, I felt comfortable with the Revolution's lead. And then on the last kick of the game, they conceded a goal, which was assisted by Minnesota United's goalkeeper, who was up in the box for a corner kick. Um, Andy, there's a, a kind of a lot we can take away from this one. I think a lot of our minds were maybe distracted a bit by what was what was going on off the field at this time, but. Um, as far as we're aware, the Revs didn't know what was going on off the field, so we can't give them that excuse. What, what is your takeaway uh, from this one? Uh, yeah, to, to the distracted point, I think it was uh, Tom Quinlan who, who posted a, a poll over on Twitter you know, asking how many people were actually focusing on the game, paying attention to the game sometime in the first half. And it, it was about 75-25 at uh, the time I checked uh, in terms of people who were actually focused on on the actual game happening. Um, so uh, you could be forgiven, I think, if you're a Revs fan for kind of uh, missing out on, on some sections of this game or being distracted. But um, yeah, I wanted to take my key takeaway because um, I knew <laughs> just based upon all the stuff uh, that this was going to be kind of a, 
you know, a negative episode. So I did want to highlight um, just, you know, a few positives uh, just so they don't get buried. Um, I want to say that, that I think Shankalai looked really good in this game. Um, I'll say that I don't think anyone looked particularly good in the second half, but uh, I think Shankalai had a, a pretty decent first half. Um, he looks like a player who, who has uh, some speed, right? He can get around guys. Uh, he has good tight ball control, especially at speed, which I, I saw on a few occasions. Um, with him dribbling, you know, past uh, one defender and then being able to keep the ball close enough that uh, when he met that second line of, of pressure, he was able to either weave or pivot or, or find a pass and, and not lose possession. So I was pretty pleased with his uh, his efforts there. He also has um, a shot that rattles rattles off the crossbar. Um, so I, I think that's those are all positive signs if you're a Rose fan. Um, having you know Shankalai come in. Uh, presumably as a guy who's who's there to fill in for Barrero, but you know we think Barrero will be back next season. So being able to have Barrero, uh, if he comes back at full strength, and, and being able to have Shankalai, um, that's a pretty formidable um, pair of, of wingers to be able to, to throw at teams. So I, I think that's that's a positive point. Um, and, and I do also want to shout out, he wasn't the, the highest-rated defender on, um, on FUTMOB, but I, I do want to give a little bit of credit again to Omar Gonzalez. It was... You know, not a not a great performance from the team overall, but uh, considering his job was was mostly, you know, try to get his head on balls and clean up messes. I think he did pretty well. I think he did uh, a good job of, of winning his aerial duels. I saw him, you know, win at least a, a few pretty critical ones uh, in the box. And then, of course, he had that not quite goal line clearance, but he, he did have a kind of a last ditch clearance that was that was pretty critical. So I, I wanted to make sure he got a little bit of credit today as well. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And I think the defense maybe will take a take a few hits for conceding 27 shots um which which is not great on paper but I, a lot of it i think is more of the midfield's inability to kind of maintain possession in this one especially in the second half and that was disappointing to me but i i, I agree with everything you said there i think chocolate has been very good so far, at least in the, the past couple of games for the Revolution. It looks like a, a bright signing for the Revs that could uh, be a key contributor this season. And like you said, next season when Dylan Barrero goes back, if you have him uh, and if you have Chonkley and Barrero on your wings, I think that's a very, very dangerous team with, you know, Carly's heel in between the two of them. Um, not to get too far into it, but it, probably playing in a one-striker formation. I think you have a, a very, very strong attacking midfield next year with with those guys if they're back here and all healthy. So that's certainly a positive. I thought Nacho Heel had a you know decent game. He had you know, ups and downs, but I think you know long term it's probably Barrero playing where Nacho Heel is playing, and you know, if Nacho Heel is still here, him being on the bench and coming off the bench and being a nice depth piece. Um, but yeah, I think I think there are some positives you can take from this one. Uh, overall, you know, Gonzalez has been strong um, coming in the season, especially after disappointing last year. I think he's he's kind of proven some of us wrong who thought he was including myself who thought after last year he was done and probably shouldn't be playing much anymore but you know he stepped up well um you know especially with with Farrell and Kessler out so you know some some positives that you highlighted there um big negative for me is just the kind of inability to hold possession and for me that kind of leads me to my takeaway which is that the revs need to find a way we've seen it twice in a row where when they get the lead to continue to push for more after taking the lead especially right now because they have a defense that you know, doesn't have Brandon by it. Probably not going to see him again this season. Doesn't have Henry Kessler. We might see him in a few weeks. Doesn't have Petrovic anymore. He's gone. Um, and it just is not the, the type of defense that they had earlier this year that you could maybe hope to get a shutout and can, and hold on to a one goal lead. I just don't think they're strong enough 
anymore when the revs have one goal to expect them to you know, kind of sit back and 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 hold on um we've seen it time and time again now and with those guys missing it's it's just not a strong enough defense the revolution do have what on paper looks like a very exciting offense and i think they just need to find a way to continue to push forward and and not rely late on you know playing defense and making these subs bringing guys like you know ben sweat on to try to hold out close out a game it just doesn't make that much sense to me kind of given how this roster is constructed and given the strength and attack and at least at the moment weakness and and defense um and you know maybe that changes a bit when they get you know Vaslik in to play in net instead of Earl Edwards but just right now I don't think the defense is strong enough to even kind of think about sitting back and and holding on to a one goal lead yeah I, I completely agree I think um and I don't know if this is like it's a coach in strategy or you you have the lead second half let's you know pull the lines back you know play you play tight lines and, and kind of park the bus but that's clearly probably not something we're going to be able to do with a ton of success just given you know just given the personnel we have out there right like we're <laughs> we're working with our you know our second string goalkeeper realistically if if that sleek had been here you know sooner he would he'd probably have slotted in as, as third string right we have our fourth string center back out there in omar we have you know brandon bias gone and we're playing um you know for some reason we're playing a midfielder out uh on, on the right uh in defense um in in matt polster so you know the, the personnel isn't really optimal in in the back four so you know if the strategy is we have a lead let's let's sit back and try to absorb pressure you know that's just I, I don't think that it's it's there for the Revs to use that as a strategy. Um, that said, I'm not sure that that was the strategy so much as it was, you know, Minnesota, you know, saw the the Revs were a little bit, uh, you know, sheepish and, and were just driving and pushing, you know, to to get an equalizer. And and the Revs just couldn't find a way to, to use the ball through midfield to keep possession. I think that's really the, the thing that, you know, scared me the most about this game was, you know, the revs would win possession or they would, you know, get a clearance or they would get the ball. Um, and then they would, they would make two passes up the field and they just couldn't find a way to, to find the feet of either Vrioni, you know, who's not from what I've seen, particularly great at holdup, but you know, that would be one way you could, you could beat that sort of pressure. Um, and they, you know, they didn't have enough, uh, they didn't have enough runners basically coming up the field um, when they did get possession to, to keep the ball in, in Minnesota's half. So I, I think, you know, possession being so heavily in Minnesota's favor could be just a, it could be a strategic thing where we tried to sit back, but I, I also think it could just be, you know, individual performances, not being able to to find the right passes or, you know, making the wrong decisions on on where to move the ball to. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. And I think part of part of what bothers me um, when looking at how the Rebels played this game out is we saw when the Rebels played the Red Bulls and had a one goal lead. One of the guys they brought on when they were, you know, in theory looking to close out the game was was Bo- Boateng. You know, he came on for Chancelay, and you know he's not the best defensive player, but he's a guy that if you are playing the Revolution, you have to keep an eye out at all times because he's so fast and and what he can do offensively, and. It, the situation was a little bit different here. They Chancle stayed on longer. Um, they brought on Ben Sweat, but you know, two games in a row now, we haven't seen Boateng take the field. And you know, like I said, three day, three games ago, we did. We saw him come on. The Revolution held on. Got the. I mean, Red Bulls are a worse team than than Minnesota, to be honest. Yes. But um, we saw we saw Boateng come on. The Revolution continued to push forward. 
and they won that game. And then two games in a row after that, we saw Boateng rooted to the bench late in the game when the Revolution had a one-goal lead, never came on. It's just, again, given kind of the weaknesses in the Revolution defense, given my lack of confidence in in Ben Sweat, um, I, I would rather see them find a way to later in a game get a guy like Boateng on there, try to keep the defense more honest, and you know give them someone else to worry about and give the Revolution more of a chance to score that second goal because they're probably going to concede a goal at some point anyways. So, so I'd like to, I'd like to see their them give themselves a bit more of a chance offensively. And we always know when Boateng comes off the bench that he causes defenses that are tired a lot of problems. And that's the one move that kind of bothers me. When you have a guy like Boateng on the bench to bring on, why don't you do it? And a lot of times this season they haven't had him on the bench. They've had to start him because of injuries, and they haven't really had good options on the bench offensively. But the past two games they have, and they haven't used it. Yeah, Boateng would have made a lot of sense to me as a sub last night just because he gives you another kind of option uh, in in a way to get out of out of the pressure and, and find a way to to get possession, right? Because you can play the ball up to you know your center forward and have them hold the ball up and, and have your runners come up and you know pass that way, or you can try and send a long ball over the top. And, and in order to do that, you need someone with speed like like Boateng. So you know he's he's always been pretty good at bats. You know wide, uh, you know against tired legs running up the sideline and. and finding the ball in the corner, you know, he can either pass back there and make a possession play, or if, you know, if the, the break is on, he's, he's good at putting in those crosses as well. So I think it would have been a smart play to, to put him in uh, just to, to give you a chance to score, but also to, to help, you know, you move the ball up the pitch. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just don't have much confidence in the defensive players that were sitting on the, the Revs bench this last game, um, which adds to my thoughts of, you know, just putting on an extra defensive body isn't always the answer when you're holding on to a lead. But <laughs> right. But we'll, we'll see what, what happens going forward. Um, we got a lot of questions to get to, so let's <laughs> let's do that. There's also a couple things, a couple of good pieces of news. Maybe I'll drop those in now instead of waiting till the end to give us some more positives. Uh, sure. No Buck scored a goal for the England under-19s in a friendly versus Switzerland um, this weekend. That pretty exciting news for No Buck. I know it's uh, conflicting news for U.S. men's national team fans that would like to see him play on the – the, um, for the U.S. at some point, but um, pretty big to have a Revolution player playing and starting for the England U19s, even if it's a friendly, and scoring a goal. I, I thought that was that was pretty exciting news. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. And and he he didn't start uh, in their game against Germany, but uh, you know he must have impressed uh, in that game. Uh, you know, I wasn't able to watch it, but um, he must have impressed enough because they did start him in the next one. So you know that's that's great for Noel, and you know super happy for for his ability to do that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the the game either, but it sounds like he almost scored a goal against Germany too. So it, it seems like he's having a, you know, from from what you can read from the reports, having not watched the games, it seems like he's doing a pretty good job over there. So exciting for him, and uh, really a testament to the Revs Academy that they have a guy now over in England playing for the U19s. Um, right. So that's that is something for the Revolution to be proud of. Um, one other non-Revs piece of news is that it announced that Portland, Maine, is getting a USL League One team in 2025. So. Uh, really expanding the USL footprint um, in New England with Port- with uh, Providence getting a team next year to play in, in the USL championship and Portland getting a team in the USL League One in 2025. So very exciting news for New England soccer fans. Yes, great news. Very, very excited. I was just up in uh, in Portland uh, last weekend. So you know, great, great town. Couldn't think of a better town to get one. It, it is a great city. I'm looking forward to getting to a game there at some point. 
Um, now, before we jump into all of our listener questions, to take a quick minute, I want to take a quick minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Galaco Kits. Galaco Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GalacoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using code RevsRecap. That's RevsRecap at checkout for 15% off your order at Galaco Kits. Uh, Andy, are you ready for questions? I know this is uh, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, I mean, I guess Rosie's ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> um, well, start off with one that just came in. Braden, I'm probably going to botch his last name, Kute. I'm, you can you can let me know how badly I did that with that one. Um, he first says, where is Kalen Kyle? Um, I don't think we know the answer to that one, but we'll uh, quickly mention that I, I believe she said something that Bruce had said, racist remarks on a podcast, and then backtracked that and said she actually didn't know anything. Uh, that was a pretty bad look. I don't think we've seen her since. Uh, but I don't know where she is, and I don't think you do either. <laughs> No, no, I, I'm not getting that information. Yeah. Uh, Braden also says, will Richie Williams get fired too? Um, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we don't we don't know, right? It, I think it, it kind of depends on how the locker room uh, handles all of this, you know, kind of, you know, circus really. Um, there's a chance that, you know, things things go smoothly and, and Richie's got uh, the team on his side and, you know, the, the players are all professionals, right? So, um, you know, maybe they can, you know, put put all the drama aside and they can, you know, continue to perform. But, you know, it sounds like for the time being, he's he's the head coach until the end of the year. Um if if the players you know have a problem with with him as a coach or he loses the locker room maybe that changes um but i don't at present see any any indication that he's going to be fired um without you know anything else happening yeah i, I just do a couple things is one again we don't know what was said by bruce arena it's very possible and probably quite likely that he said something where richie williams did the right thing and reported it you know it was something something so bad that rich williams felt he had to report it and he did the right thing and reported it we we don't know what was said but that's probably the you know it seems like it's probably the assumption that i would make right um without without knowing more and knowing how this this you know investigation resulted in bruce arena resigning and the league saying he needed to petition the league to come back in um so there's that you know again without knowing more it's hard to place blame on Richie Williams for potentially doing what he should have done. Uh, But then there's the other aspect you, you mentioned, which is how does the locker room react? And even if Richie Williams did the right thing, and if we found out what happened and we all agreed he did the right thing, that doesn't necessarily mean the locker room is going to react in a positive way now that this information is out there. And I think that is going to be what determines whether or not Richie Williams stays as head coach. Um, It's, it's a, it's tough one to answer. It, It does seem like he's in a very tough position right now with how this information came out again we only have a, a piece of the information but you know he's probably going to have some explaining to do to the locker room to make sure that they're on the same page with him and that you know they're all in agreement with him so it it wouldn't surprise me kind of either way that this went um it's going to be a very interesting week yep and, and to the point you you started making at the beginning like Richie Williams was was in their uh, press release at the end of the game uh, was given the head coaching reins through the end of the season, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it would seem weird to me uh, that the team would would give him, you know, control of the team for the rest of the year if there wasn't, you know, if they didn't think he was he was in the right. Um, You know, it would be strange for them to to just pass it on to him, uh, even if they didn't think there was was good reason for him to have done 
what he did or reported what he reported. So I'll just say that. And then Braid's last question is, do the Revs have a shot at MLS Cup this year or ever? <laughs> Ooh, uh, I think, you know, it, it takes a big hit this year. Obviously, the team's very talented, um, you know, and, and the Revs MO over the last couple of seasons. And, and this is one of the things um, that actually makes – the transition to, to Richie not as as huge a downgrade um, is that Bruce's coaching style was never, you know, intensely tactical or, you know, it, it was never anything where he, he was going to outcoach somebody. He was going to have the best players on the field and he was going to put them in the right spots and he was going to make sure that they were, you know, uh, you know knew what to do and, and performing well. And, um, you know, if, if Richie Williams can can get the same out of the players, the players are still there. Um, and, you know, he, he should be able to get them into the right spots to perform. So, honestly, this team could still could still win MLS Cup. I think it's just – it's much less likely just because I can't imagine this is going to, to help their mentality um, over the course of the rest of the season. It's just too much change, too much drama, especially with, you know, Petrovic uh, leaving and, and all the injuries. And, you know, I think, I think all of that extra stuff is going to make it tough. But in terms of talent on the field from a pure talent perspective and from a pure, you know, uh, soccer perspective, I don't think there's any, any major differences that says that they can't. Um, so it's, it's really going to come down to can this team block out the noise and, you know, that's going to be really tough. Yeah, I, I don't think you can kind of overstate how hard it's going to be for this team to block out the noise, you know, given what's gone gone on and given, you know, there's not that much time left in the regular season for them to you know, come all together and get this figured out. It could happen. The, the talent is, for the most part, there. The one thing I will say is I, I'm still not satisfied with the Revolution's fullback situation with Brandon Buyout. They're, they do have five more days until the roster, roster freeze happens where they could address that. I don't think they will, um, but I, I, that would make me feel a lot better about this team if they went out and signed a right back that was of you know a bit higher quality than the options they have now with Brandon Buyout. Um, that, that, to me, could, could make a big difference on this team's roster if they could find a way to do that. I don't think they will, but if they could find a way to do that, that'd make a big difference. But you know, given that, even before this Bruce Arena you know, situation happened. The injuries they have was going to make it tough for the Revolution to win MLS Cup this year. Um, uh, is it possible? Yes. Do I think it's likely? No. Um, as far as will they ever win the MLS Cup? Uh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a if you get enough monkeys uh, on enough typewriters, eventually they'll write Shakespeare kind of situation. If you give the Revs enough tries, right, maybe we'll win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we've gotten, I guess we, we already addressed this question. I'll just read it. Uh, what now really said, I missed something. Why do folks call the assistant coach a traitor rat or backstabber? Uh, Steve McGrogan, um, also said, I don't want Richie, the rat heading this team up. Well, I think we kind of covered why people would go ahead and call him a traitor rat or backstabber. Um, I wouldn't without knowing a lot more. And I would tend to, to, for the reasons we just talked about, I would tend to think he probably did what he should have done. Um, but you know, that's, that's why people are calling him that from the reasons we discussed already. Um, he also says, what not really also says, uh, revs aren't doing right by their long suffering fans, or maybe it's MLS who isn't doing right by the fans, both. Anyways, which bits got mishandled in the Bruce saga, and how do we push changes? Um, you know, it's, it's tough to say if if anything got mishandled. I think, you know, there's a lot of frustration among the revs fan base that it took so long uh, to, to get any information and that everything's been so tight-lipped. 
Um, but, you know, I, without knowing the details of the investigation, we don't know how long it should have taken. Um, you know, maybe whatever we're at, 42, 43 days, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But wherever, you know, however many days that is, maybe that's how long it, it's, it should have taken. Um, and then, you know, we also, without knowing what was said, like there is very possibly, uh, you know, a victim involved here who was, you know, personally victimized. And, and it wouldn't, to me, be fair to that person to to release a ton of information and details that could you know negatively impacts how people perceive that person on the internet. We all know, like if you you don't have to look far on Twitter right now to see uh, that there's some there's some negative feelings uh, on on the the revs hashtag. So you know I, I wouldn't think it would be fair to subject uh, you know a victim to that sort of uh, potential vitriol. So you know I, I don't know that I think it was was necessarily mishandled, but you know without knowing the details, we we can't really say. I'm going to put. Uh, my trust in in the fact that you know the league wanted to do what was right here, um, and that they wouldn't have you know wouldn't have without basis um, gone off gone after the biggest and winningest coach in in their league's history. Yeah, honestly, as someone that covers the team, it's frustrating that we didn't know more sooner. But as you know paying attention to the investigation and what we see elsewhere, it's actually a very good job by the league that nothing did leak sooner. You know, I think, I think that's actually something that kind of deserve credit for, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the team or if you're covering the team, you would have liked to have known more sooner, but from a pure, you know, way they conducted this investigation, the fact that things didn't leak, it kind of reflects well on the league. I, I think. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, the, there is the question of did this take longer than it needed to, and it does seem like it took a long time. But you know, investigations like this take time, and without knowing more, it's hard to say um, that it took too long. And I, I, I you know, I, I can't say anything was mishandled without knowing more. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I feel like we're kind of becoming a broken record about it. But uh, yeah, without knowing the details, we, you know, it's hard to to say too much any which way. And I'm not sure that us not knowing the details is the wrong choice. Yeah. Uh, what not really also says, what do we actually know about the Bruce Sag? I think we covered, covered what we do know. Um, and their last question is, any coaching prospects in mind for next year? I think we got a couple people that asked about that. Um, I, I don't know off the top of your head if you have anything in mind. There are some, obviously, in-house candidates if you don't think Richie's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I so I, I know, um, I think it was Caleb Pongratz uh, reported that uh, the Reds are looking to, to clean house. I think that you know, also kind of tracks, um, with the, with what we saw in the athletic article that, that most of the, you know, coaching staff assistant coaches weren't getting their contract renewed for next season. So I, I think the Reds could be looking at a coaching search, um, at least come, come winter, if not sooner. Um, in terms of names, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of turnover in the league this year. Um, I wouldn't be mad with, uh, with Giovanni Savarese coming over. Um, I know he didn't have a great season in, in Portland this year, but uh, he seems like a coach that that tends to get uh, a lot of his players, especially in big games. Um, so that could be something that the Revs have kind of been missing. Um, well, kind of in their in their history, right? Uh, the big games tend to be the ones that that end the poorest. Um, so that could be an option. Um, Robin Fraser just got uh, just got sacked in in Colorado, so he could be another option. Things did not go well for him there, but uh, I. He was not given a whole lot to work with, so you know, there's there's some hope that he could, maybe with a little bit more faith and a little bit more funds, um, be a guy that that actually is successful as he was with with the Rapids in 2021, right? I think they were 
they led the West in points that year. So, you know, those are those are some guys within the league that I think could make uh, reasonable fits. You know, we're going to have to see how how Kraft and, and you know Bolello and whoever want to handle this because, you know, Bruce was you know a big a big name coach, right? He you know was the winningest coach in the league most. MLS titles. So, you know, how do you follow that up is, is a big question. And, you know, I think it's going to, you know, we're going to see how, how committed to trophies uh, ownership is uh, by who they hire next. Yeah. It's, you know, and there's a lot of options out there. Shari Joseph from in-house comes to mind. You know, he is a club legend. Um, he coached for Granada as head coach before he's got, he's got a decent amount of experience. It'd be great to see a club legend coaching the team if he's ready. Um, so there's, there's that in-house op- option. You named a lot of good options. Um, Giovanni Savarese, you should mention was a candidate to be the Revs head coach before they hired Brad Friedel. I think, I think that would have been a much better choice back then if they had hired him instead of Brad Friedel, as we've seen how their two, uh, coaching careers have gone since. Um, I wouldn't hate that move. You know, I wouldn't hate Robin Frazier. I think he's been dealt some pretty bad hands in his career as far as the teams he's had to take over and coach. Um, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know how good of a coach he is, but I, I do think that he probably deserves another shot with a team that's maybe in a better 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 shape than teams like Chivas and the Rapids. Um, so so yeah, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that either. Um, there are some intriguing options out there. I just one quick sort of rant that I want to go because I've seen a couple people say Frank Lampard um, and by a couple people I mean a couple I don't mean a lot of people but I've seen enough people where I want to say that I think that is a horrible idea um, one of the worst coaches that the English Premier League has ever seen um, and a guy that was pretty much a guaranteed loss when he was coaching for Everton at the end of his time there and when he was coaching for Chelsea so I think that is a terrible idea uh, just because he was a good player with a big name does not mean he's a good coach <laughs> so I'm going to throw that out there if that is a choice the revolution make that is a bad choice. <laughs> I'll right. go on record now. You can you can save that, cursed revs. Um, I also don't think that's happening. Although you know, if you look at big names, you know that one's probably the most realistic because he's done so bad. His options are going to be very limited. <laughs> yes, and I think you there could be an argument to to selecting a coach based upon you know name based upon gravitational pull, right? Because that's how you get players interested in, in joining the project is if they have a name that they recognize. Um, but yeah, I would, I don't pay a ton of attention to, to the premier league. So I, I can't tell you all the specifics of, of Lampard's coaching tenure there, but I, I've heard that it wasn't great. And, uh, I think you need more than just a big name. You need someone who can actually coach the team. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, Bruce Arena had such a big reputation that he was able to attract guys to this team that might not have come here before. Um, and he was able to kind of change the reputation of the team from one that didn't necessarily always do right by players to one that seems to have done, you know, for the most part, very much right by players when he was here. And so it is very important that whoever they hire next, that they get that hire correct. Um, it'll have a big impact on the future of this team. No question about it. So, you know, I don't know who that's going to be. I don't think it should be Frank Lampard. Uh, I do think there are a lot of in- interesting candidates out there. Um, I've seen a lot of people mention Jose Mourinho, which I think is also a joke. There is zero chance of that happening. Um, but I, th- I think that would be a little bit more realistic. Uh, but, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but it's certainly a big, big move. Um, on that note, Steve McGrogan says, bring bring Mike Lapa back. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Uh, I believe he was undefeated in his, his time uh, as the head coach for us. So, you know, you can't beat undefeated. You know, Steve Nichol was undefeated as an interim coach for the revolution. And then a few years later, they brought him back to be head coach. And that worked out pretty well. Right. Yeah. So there's there's history behind that. <laughs> um, you know, you, you mentioned Robin Frazier. Uh, Levante on Twitter says, would Robin Frazier be a good fit or should we aim higher? You kind of cover this. I don't know if you have more to add. 
Uh, not a ton more to add. I, I think, um, you know, he did a really good job getting the most out of kind of, uh, I, I will say maybe not the strongest roster in, in 2021 um, leading the Western Conference. I know he's been, uh, he's well regarded uh, in, in MLS uh, for his years as assistant coach. You know, I think he was assistant coach in Toronto for a while. Um, and, and was generally widely considered to be one of the best uh, assistant coaches as well. And, you know, there's enough uh, success on, on his resume um, to, to make me intrigued. And, and he hasn't really been given a lot to work with. So if if we bring him in and, and we're committing to giving him, you know, some funds to get get some players, um, then I think it, it could go OK. Yeah. Um, Paulo S. Uh, on Twitter says, I trust Richie Williams to see out these last seven games and lead us through the playoffs. What are your thoughts on his coaching so far? And then Brian Newman responded to that saying he has no late game management. doesn't seem the players trust him either. What What are your thoughts on, on Richie Williams coaching so far, assuming you know he is leading out the team based on, based on what we've seen so far? Yeah, I, I touched on this a little bit uh, briefly earlier, and, and I don't think it's actually as big a difference between his coaching style or, or what he's, he's doing to what Bruce was doing. I think the players have mentioned that they – you know, he's he's shifted a little bit of the tactics um, kind of in, in small ways here and there, going from man marking to zonal marking or, or vice versa in certain situations. Um, but, you know, I, Bruce's tactics were never the reason why he he was so successful. Um, so I, I don't think there's a huge step down in terms of, of coaching philosophy here, at least. Um, so I, I, I think he's he's OK in that regard. I will agree that some of the subs feel a little bit, um, a little bit late, and, and maybe like they don't make a lot of sense to me. I, you know, we talked about not bringing in Boateng earlier, um, so stuff like that. But you know, that's also stuff we sub Bruce do pretty frequently. You bring up an excellent point that I was going to make, which is that when you're comparing him to Bruce Arena, we had a lot of these same questions about Bruce Arena with his substitutions and with his late game management. Um, he's obviously got a longer track record to kind of you know, see a success over the years, but. You know, I had almost as many questions with Bruce Arena with some of these moves that he made than I did with Richie Williams. So that is that is a great point that I was going to make. Agree with you 100 percent there. Right. Yeah. We're all we're all frustrated about dropping points at the end of the games, but I think it was it was just last year, right? The Revs were either had the most dropped points from leading positions or second most or something like that by the end of the season. So this is not you know this is not a Richie specific problem, and I know it's happened two games in a row now with the last kick of the game being a goal conceded, but. You know, I don't think that that's a Richie specific problem with this team. You know, what what is you know tough, and again, it kind of goes back to the fullback issue when we're talking about late game management. Is you know you have K and you have Polster now, who are two defensive minded midfielders, and now you're having to play Polster at right back. Um, and it would be great if you had a situation where those two were kind of rotating in your midfield. And when you had a late game situation, if you did want to play a little bit more defensively, you had a defensive midfielder to bring into the game with fresh legs to kind of help close <laughs> out the game instead of having him being at your right back out of position. Right. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Ideally, you'd have players to play the positions that they're best at. <laughs> it's just, it just it seems like roster construction wise that it was a good thing that you brought in K and kind of add more defensive midfield options but you know from from my view if you can bring in a guy like Polster off the bench or a guy like K off the bench instead of maybe Tommy McNamara you're probably in a better situation defensively (laughs) and and to do that you need to solve your right back situation and you have five days to do that right (laughs) I just don't think it's gonna happen but 
But that's my 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 uh, side rant there. Um, Josh Goulet, I, I don't think we need to answer this one because I think we've covered it. He said, just don't have many details on Bruce Arena. Um, basically asked what's true and what's speculation. I'm confused. I completely get why you're confused. And, and now <laughs> what's it, we still don't know a lot. Um, but hopefully we helped clarify a little bit with, with what we've talked about here. I don't think we really have much more to add there. Yeah, it would be um, weird if you weren't confused. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Matt Clayman says second straight game with a blown lead in the last minute of the game, which is really just ridiculous. I agree. Uh, he also <laughs> says, I guess my question is why was the strategy just to concede all offense in the second half and sit back? So frustrating when they keep giving up goals right at the end like that. Um, you kind of already talked about this in response to my takeaway is that it wasn't necessarily just the strategy. It was also, you know, just Minnesota piling on a pressure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really have much to add other than it is very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, we have a lot of, of we have a lot of Bruce news today that we didn't have uh, you know before the game yesterday. But uh, I think there is you know there's something to be said about how the ongoing investigation and all the players injured and all this this you know the sale of Petrovich and all that how that's weighing on their you know their focus. And you know we saw we've seen two games in a row now where they they conceded late. Um, you know that that could partially be due to just that little bit extra not being completely dialed in and, and focused. And, you know, I don't think anyone could blame them given everything that's happening for not being fully dialed in. Um, so, you know, that, that could play a part, not to say that they weren't under constant pressure basically for most of the game. So I wouldn't, you know, it would have been shocking if they didn't uh, concede a goal uh, in this one, but uh, to have it be the last kick of the game, two games in a row, you know, that, that could be somewhat focus related. And on the pressure topic, Roberta Voter said, how is it that the Minnesota United team kept kicking the ball to ricochet off defenders in order to get a corner? Uh, your eyes did not deceive you. Like, they did get 15 corners. How did that keep happening? <laughs> a lot of corners. Yeah, I think they mentioned this on the broadcast that the, you know, the, the directive was to, to not let the crosses uh, make it into the box. So, you know, if that's that's the directive and you have to apply pressure to the person making the cross and you have to get close and. You know, it, it it kind of for a lot of a lot of the second half, especially, looked like Minnesota just wanted it more. Right? They they were on the front foot. They could smell blood in the water, and they were just going full throttle. And um, you know, the Reds were kind of backpedaling and just trying to keep up. So they you know keep close, but you know they weren't blocking the ball um, maybe quite as effectively as they could have. And, and you know, they ended up getting a lot of corner kicks out of it. Uh, and the Reds almost defended almost defended all of them successfully. Uh, and, and Oscar Liberos on Twitter, you know, last this, editorializing here last week, we gave a lot of crap to Christian McCoon for kind of his end of game play that really cost the revs. Oscar Liberos this week says, if Ben Sweat doesn't miss that pass from Carles at the end of the game, we win this game. Another win, uh, another choke uh, from the revolution. Um, does, does Ben Sweat deserve some blame? I mean, sure. But I, I mean, everybody kind of deserves some blame you know i think we can point very specifically to the the play or plays right before the bad thing happens but if you look at the you know if you look at the momentum swings of this game if you go to fought mob they have like a little tracker that shows you know where the momentum was it was it was all minnesota basically the whole game and you look at the shot totals whatever it was 23 27 shots for minnesota um you know that's you, you can't defend 27 shots at constant pressure and not expect to, to concede a goal. It's just, you know, that's just not how soccer works, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teal Forever says, why do we stop attacking when we get leads? I think we covered that one pretty pretty well. Um, yes. He also says, how can we manage games better? I like the Bobby Wood, Tommy McNamara sub, and it seemed to settle the game down. 
Yeah, I mean, Bobby Woods uh, made sense to me. I didn't bring this up uh, earlier. Um, well, I, I sort of did, but you know, there's only 26 touches from from Jack Mofroni in his 74 minutes, um, and and we kind of know at this point that he's not like a, a stellar hold up striker. So Bobby Woods seems to do a little bit better at that, and that might have made more sense from a just keeping possession standpoint. So I, I could have seen a situation where subbing him on sooner might have given the revs, you know, maybe a little bit more time on the ball and, and maybe even an extra opportunity or two uh, in the attack. So, you know, I, I think that that would have made sense as a sub earlier. Um, Tommy Mack looked okay to me, um, but I think he was kind of subbed on at a time where, where uh, you know, they were just throwing everything at us. So it was hard to kind of focus too, too uh, specifically on him individually. Yeah. I mean, he played 16 minutes, Tommy Mack and had three touches. So he did, he, it, you know, it wasn't wasn't all that um, wasn't maybe as involved as you would have liked to have seen him. I don't think he completely yeah, he didn't complete a pass in a 16 minutes. So I I, I got the logic of those subs. Um, I you know I like the Bobby Wood sub. I'm not sure I necessarily agree that Tommy McNamara did too much uh, to help out. But you know again he's also just kind of working his way back from a long term injury and and finding his his flow. But that's again why I say it would have been great if you had. Matt Polster or Mark Anthony Kay in that position to come on off the bench instead of playing a guy out of position at right back. Right, <laughs> <But>. right. <laughs> um, the anime stoner says, do we need to go back and review passing drills or was it just because everyone on Minnesota had a target on their chest that we couldn't connect passes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. this is a tough one to answer, right? Because we should be able to to make the passes to keep possession. That's, you know, that's soccer 101. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just momentum was on on. Minnesota side and you know we were maybe tired of running around all game uh, but the decision making especially in the late going was was poor um so you know leaving passes short leaving them you know off target but but really it's more not making the right pass that that kind of led to us um you know not being able to keep possession it was a lot of trying to hoof the ball forward find someone who was kind of isolated and, and ask them to to bring it down instead of maybe Maybe making a shorter pass and, and spreading the ball around and, or, or spreading the players around so that you have more options. And, and I agree with all that. And it doesn't, not to make excuses, but it doesn't help that you still have a lot of guys in this team that haven't played a lot of minutes together. And, and the chemistry still isn't necessarily as good as it could be. Um, and that certainly plays an impact when it comes to passing. I know it's, it's, it's not to make too many excuses, but I do think that there is something to that, that, you know, a lot of these guys could have benefited if the Revs had, you know, preseason with a, you know, with a healthy Nacho heel. If Mark Anthony Kay was here then, if Ian Harks was here then, um, to kind of figure out some of the things that they're not having to figure out in season. But I do think there is some, some growing pains between that and having a, a coaching change, even if it is you know, roughly the same tactics from Richie Williams. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point, right? Between Kay and, and Harks and Sean Kalai and uh, Nacho heel and... Uh, Tommy McNamara and Earl Edwards, you know, we, there's just a lot of players out there who have not been, you know, starters for this, for a good chunk of this season. <laughs> so yeah, there's just a lot of new faces trying to kind of get on the same page quickly. Um, so it, it might make sense that they, you know, maybe didn't connect on as many passes as they would have if they'd been, you know, with each other the whole year. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of just comments that don't necessarily warrant responses. <laughs> um, I'm going to read through some of them. Uh, Traeger Durati on Twitter says, WTF, WTF, just WTF. This crumb <laughs> crawled its way out of being a laughingstock and drove uh, headfirst back in. Um, 
don't have much to say on that one. Yeah, WTF feels feels right. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, James Casella says, "What is going on?" With some lots of exclamation points and question marks. That's also a sure. fair 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 mm. question. Yep, no clue. <laughs> um, I guess this one we can answer. Eddie on Twitter says, "Was this the worst night in Revs history that wasn't an MLS Cup final loss?" Yeah, I saw this one last night, and I I don't know. It's a tough one to answer. If we eliminate MLS Cup final losses, I think that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, it's the worst night I can remember just from a, you know, just the two hours between the time when we got that initial, um, you know, uh, report from The Athletic, which came out right before the game. I know, um, I, I think it was, it was mentioned somewhere else that players don't have access uh, to their phones. Uh, I think it was 90 minutes before the game, but the timing of it, Certainly uh, not great from a fan's perspective. And then to have the game play out where, you know, the Reds are clearly the inferior team, but somehow they managed to hold a lead until the very last kick only to, to lose uh, or, or to, to tie. And then to have like three or four minutes later, have all the, the Bruce Arena news drop. You know, that's that's a pretty tough two and a half hour stretch if you're if you're a fan. So, I, you know, I, I'm at least a little comfortable saying it's probably the worst none I can remember. Yeah, I think I. I'm probably missing something, but I I would say I think it's probably the worst the worst non MLS Cup loss night that I can remember as well. And there are plenty of you know there's plenty of rough losses that I can remember, but uh, none where I felt like just completely as like oh, what's going to happen next uh, as as last night. Uh, Alex DeSantos, we you know we've talked we've talked a bit about Richie and you know, whether or not he loses the locker room, but he says. Let's let's uh, let me. I'll, I'll put you on the spot to give some cursed revs contents potentially. He says, "Does Richie <laughs> does Richie Williams lose the ro- locker room, or does the team make a statement at Colorado next week by pulling off a convincing victory?" I feel like there's no better place for the team to play right now than last place Colorado. So uh, we talked about ignoring you know what's speculation and what's not. Let's just make a prediction: <laughs> Does Richie Williams lose the locker room, or does the team make a statement with a victory against Colorado? Yeah, that's a, man. That's that is put me on the spot. I, I think he's right to say that uh, that Colorado is exactly the team you want to be playing right now. Um, I, I had planned on doing uh, an article this week, uh, upcoming about you know that was going to touch on on home road splits, um, and this is an away game. I don't know if I'm going to do that uh, article now, based upon what we've what we've seen. Maybe I still will, but. Um, uh, you know, it, it's a road game, so that's certainly working uh, against the Revs. Uh, they have not been as good on the road as most teams in MLS aren't. Um, but, yeah, I think the Revs showed enough against Minnesota. Honestly, I thought they were going to, to lose in Minnesota. That was my prediction before the game. Um, and I thought they were going to win uh, in in Colorado. And I think I will keep them at a win in Colorado for now. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I could see this going either way because you know, regardless of whether or not they, you know, Richie loses the locker room this week, uh, Colorado is a very very bad team. Not just on the road, not at home as well. They've had one home win all season. Right. Uh, with that with that said, they have seven home draws, so they they draw more than they lose at home. That's um, true. And they've only conceded ten home goals in twelve games. Uh, w- but you can kind of throw that out the window with a coaching change now, right? Like we don't we don't know who they're going to be, and now they have kind of two weeks to prepare for this game. And right. Denver, just by you know, well, not in Denver, a Commerce City or wherever it is, <laughs> just by nature of the altitude, is is not an easy place to play. 
So I could honestly see this go. If I'm going to go out on a limb, I'm going to say with everything going on, and I'm a believer in kind of the coaching change bump, uh, Colorado's a very bad team, but I, I am going to go out on a limb and guess that the Revolution lose this game. And it doesn't necessarily mean that Richie Williams has lost the locker room, um, but I, I I don't know. I don't Even as bad as Colorado is, I'm a believer in the new coach bump, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great point. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, you know, both teams are kind of – like they both just lost their head coach, right? Kind of officially True. at least. Um, and so both teams might be in some level of disarray and, and we'll see which team coalesces and comes together uh, more. Uh, certainly Colorado will have a better, uh, will have had more time to kind of process uh, that. But uh, just from a talent perspective, I think you have to give the edge to the Revs for me at least. Yeah. Uh, one more comment that doesn't warrant a response, <laughs> which this was, this was sent last night after the game. Uh, Dewan season says pretty uneventful and uneventful last two hours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't think anything super impactful happened. I mean, it was kind of cool that um, that Nacho Heel got the assist on Carlos Heel's goal. That was a pretty cool brother brother moment. But other than that, yeah, nothing to report really. <laughs> Um, some questions on threads, turning to threads. I apologize to everybody. I usually spend a lot of time organizing all these questions, but with all the, the Bruce arena news that happened, um, <laughs> most of my morning was spent organizing the Bruce arena information and trying to make sure we were in a good position to, to talk about that rather than putting these questions in order. So we're a bit, we're a bit all over the map and, and how we're, um, kind of going through these. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Kaplan on Twitter says it's so frustrating. We get no details on what was actually said or done. No transparency. We covered that pretty well. I think, uh, do you know, again, I don't know if we'll ever know what he said. I, from a you know perspective of someone that covers a team, I would hope that we get a little bit more details at some point, but if we do, it's going to be, you know, from someone willing to leak. Yeah. Right. I, I think at this point, as much as I personally would be really curious to know, um, if we haven't gotten anything yet, I wouldn't anticipate uh, that we're going to, unless, of course, it, it leaks from somewhere. Um, and, and again, like I said earlier, I'm not convinced that we, you know, we deserve to know necessarily if there's if there's someone who could be impacted. And uh, OT Daddy on uh, Threads says, "Here's my question. Now I'm hearing rumors of." Griezmann possibly going to enter Miami next year. Would you please explain why Miami gets to sign superstars like some kid who bought a million FIFA points with their parents' credit card while we're playing with Rioni and our alternatives are wooden relics? <laughs> yeah, Good luck with well, that one. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Messi certainly has something to do with that, right? He's he's got a little bit of uh, a little bit of pull with with maybe some of the bigger name superstars. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how Miami is is able to pull it off. You know, I think they. There's some talk of of maybe changing the rules to allow for more uh, designated players. I've heard that uh, rumor floating around. Um, but you know they're going to have to. If that doesn't happen, they'll have to figure out some way to to clear out some space. I assume. Um, but you know they're they're well within their rights to go out and uh, spend a bunch of money on on the big name players. And, and Messi certainly helps them in their recruiting efforts. Um, as to why the Revs are, are rolling out there with with Frioni. Um, I don't, I, Vrioni came in with a, a pretty good pedigree, um, to me, and I, I don't know that he's necessarily lived up to it, but, uh, he, at the time very much looked like a, a smart signing. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And if you stretch 
the realms of possibility and your imagination enough, you can place everyone they've signed so far this season within the MLS roster rules. It takes some some a little <laughs> bit of stretching, I think, uh, yes. but you can you can sort of find a, a realm of possibility where that would fit. If they add Griezmann on top of that, you cannot. Um, so yes, my, I think uh, that is anticipating a, a some sort of rule change in the off season, which I think is probably likely. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it has to be, right? Um, the thing I've been saying about Inter Miami's roster build is that everything they've done is completely legal, assuming that uh, a lot of the, the players involved and, and companies and corporations really wanted to do them a solid. Um, you know, they've gotten a lot of favors that, that help keep things above board um, that I don't know that other, other teams get favors like that, but um, everything they've done that I can see is, is legal. Um, one more on threads threads is still alive, which is, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big nation on threads again, and kind of getting back to the possession issue, trying to figure out what happened. He says a lot of unforced turnovers slash possession losses tonight. Is that a focus thing, a surface thing, almost as much slipping tonight as there was in Montreal, but I don't want to become the playing surface guy. Um, until that tragic comedy of an equalizer, the defense actually seemed more than capable of withstanding, a, uh, the pressure. Yeah, um, I I didn't notice a ton of of slipping on the surface. You know, I have certainly seen that in games. I think especially I don't know if you if you've ever seen this at Yankee uh, Field, Yankee Stadium. Uh, I, I feel like I noticed a lot of slipping there. I didn't see too much more than I would expect uh, last night. Um, and and to the point of of the Revs doing a pretty good job uh, up to that point, looking capable of handling it. I, I think that also goes to. A little bit to Minnesota's um, shoot first, ask questions later mentality because they did take a lot of shots um, and maybe not from the best spots on the field. Yeah, that's that's all a very good point. There was a lot of long range shots from from Minnesota, and we talk about twenty seven shots. It resulted in one point six nine expected goals, which is still significantly higher than the Revs point four eight. But that at least to me doesn't strike me as a lot of expected goals coming off of 27 shots. <laughs> no, right. That's and, and to be honest, a couple of, of shots early on, I thought it was a smart choice for them because they took a, a, a few long range shots. And I think testing uh, Earl Edwards jr. And just seeing if he, he gives up a rebound is maybe a smart uh, play, but uh, if it, if that had been failing uh, in the early going, maybe they could have been a little bit more selective with their shots uh, as, as time wore on. Well, and one other interesting stat too, and this is from from FootMob, is expected goals on target, which is kind of relates to the quality of the shot on top of where the shot was taken from. And I mentioned one point six nine expected goals. Minnesota only had one point one seven expected goals on target, so they took a lot of shots, not a lot of quality shots, and not a lot of shots from good positions. So it's again, and then when you look at that too from the refs' perspective, the refs' expected goals on target was one point one two. So basically even um despite right. the fact that they were outshot 27 to 7 um, when it came to the quality of the shots where they were taken from and, and you know, how, how well the shot was that you know how well the shot was actually taken um relatively even which is kind of an interesting stat at the end of the day given how that game played out yeah and that that tracks um from a revolution perspective i did a an article earlier this year I'll, i can't remember the title of it now but uh, i i delved into some uh, mid-year statistics um, and and one of the things that the revs uh, have excelled at is is making the most of their shots i think they had at the time of that uh, article, pub- article publishing they had the highest uh, expected goals per shot uh, of any team in the league yeah um questions keep coming in as we're, as we're recording uh one more on discord um the <laughs> 
Uh, this one is Mike Collins. He says, is Richie making a Game of Thrones power move? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I maybe, right? Like, we don't know anything. And that's that's what makes this tough. And I can understand the the impulse to say that this is, you know, some sort of, of a coup attempt. Um, and it's certainly one of the things I didn't love about that athletic article is how it um, it laid out some facts uh, in a in a way that was meant to lead you to connect the dots that that this was some sort of you know that there was something there right. They laid out the facts that you know Richie was not going to be renewed and that he had had arguments with Bruce Arena over the course of the season about players and personnel, and uh, and then they you know worked in the fact that he had had been among those complaining. So it, it makes absolute logical sense to to draw the conclusion that there's. You know, maybe some some nefarious plots, um, you know, at, at play there, um, and maybe there is, um, but I don't think we know enough to say that that's that's the case. Uh, my my uh, thought is that we we withhold uh, thinking that there's some sort of you know uh, evil power play happening and, until we get more information. I agree with all that, although it would make for like a great documentary in like 10 years if that's what was actually happening. <laughs> and also on that athletic article, I, you know, kind of reading between the lines, it seems like there was probably more than just him complaining. Um, yes. And, and yeah. because he was singled out, I, I agree, it kind of leads you to read between the lines and draw some conclusions that uh, may or may not be intentional. Um, right. They focused of. a lot on, on Richie in that article, but it, it did say that he was one among many uh, complaints, I think. Yeah. And a couple of final thoughts that again don't necessarily require responses chad crush on twitter so that well i keep calling it twitter i guess it's technically x now right i you know, yeah i i don't uh, really want to call it do it i can't do it uh i've you know people keep correcting me and i keep saying no it's it's going to be twitter to me um i, I tweeted this out uh, a few weeks ago just the rebrand itself rebranding to a single letter it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, especially because I think on the MLS website that you can embed tweets. Um, and if you uh, look at them, they have a little X in the top right corner. And to me, X in the top right corner means close. So if you close the tweet, it actually takes you to X.com, which is now Twitter. It means so just confusing. Well, X either means like close or like inappropriate content that you, that you shouldn't be viewing. Right? Like, right. X, <laughs> X has a lot of uh, predefined jobs uh, on the Internet at this point, and, and none of them were Twitter until recently. Yeah. Anyways, Chad Crush, I don't know. I don't know if you watched the U.S. men's national team game, but it was as probably as a uh, as underwhelming of a three nothing victory as you could get. Uh, but Chad Crush says, "I love going from Burhalter ball to more Burhalter ball." <laughs> yeah, well, right up until the end of the game, I was thinking, oh, "This is you know." I watched the U.S. game. The, the U.S. did not look good, um, but they they managed to pull out a win. And towards the end of this game, I was thinking, "That's oh, going to be the same exact thing." The Rebs have not looked good, but they're somehow going to pull out a win. Um, and then they did. So uh, I guess it's not not exactly the same. But yeah, it was a frustrating, uh, frustrating day as a U.S. and, and Revs soccer fan. I think as frustrating probably as a three nothing victory can be as a U.S. fan. Yeah, uh, I would but agree. but good good for Matt Turner with another U.S. shutout. Yep. Uh, last two comments. These are a couple of helpful comments to uh, try to get us through the pain of the past day. Uh, Mike M says, "What would you do for a Klondike bar?" <laughs> um, uh, that's, I like Klondike bar, so there's not a lot I, I wouldn't do. But um, but yeah, maybe we'll leave it up to, to some mystery there. Uh, C-Mag on X says he just had to post a small revolution win ca- revolution recap win amongst all these New England Revolution losses. Uh, he got the New England Revolution mug from the Believe Shop and says that caffeine provides a mild antidepressant effect. Good to know. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you should all uh, try try that out. Try some caffeine, and if you're going to do it, try it from a, a Revolution Recap mug. Yes, it's a good time to mention you can get our mugs and our T-shirt in the Belief Store. <laughs> <laughs> Always looking for an opportunity to get in a little promotion there. Um, before we wrap things up, are, do you have uh, any final thoughts? We've we've covered a lot. I feel like we probably missed some things. There was a lot that happened this week, I think, before Saturday um, that I've probably forgotten about. <laughs> but is there, is there anything else that you, you wanted to mention before we wrap up? Uh, no, I mean, right, this, the news of last night kind of dominates, um, dominates the, the front of your mind, uh, on days like this. So I, I don't know that I have anything from earlier in the week that I can think of. Um, you know, I will say just keep an eye on, on, I imagine, uh, the revs will probably have some sort of press or media availability, um, early in the week would make sense to me. Um, but you know, you know, pay attention to that and, and maybe we'll get a sense of what the vibes are there. Um, maybe they'll have some player availability. They may not. Um, but you know, how, how together this team is and, and how, um, you know, how they are either with, or, or maybe not with Richie or how they are with each other or not with each other is, you know, we might not see, um, a ton of it in, in the press conferences, but it could give us a sense of, of how things might look, uh, headed forward. So, I'll be interested to see um, what's what is said. If there's any new information and, and how uh, the vibes the vibes look. And and my kind of final thought here. I know I'm not the first person to say it. Is just looking at the dropped points in these past two games. If the Revolution had you know managed to hold on to the last seconds of stoppage time um, in these last two games, they would only be five points out of the, out of first place and away from the supporter shield. And they would also have a five point cushion over second place. So they'd be sitting quite pretty right now. So those are some costly points that they've yeah, dropped. We are maybe a combined 10 seconds away from, from looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, with that, where can people find your writing and how can people follow you on social media, whether that's X, Twitter, or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> uh, or I'll call it Twitter. Uh, you can you can follow me over there. Uh, if you want to call it X, that's fine. Uh, you can you can follow me over there. Uh, I'm at Andy Revs Nation. Uh, I write uh, usually weekly. Um, it's been a little slower in the summer months uh, here, but I'm, I'm going to try and pick it back up to, to weekly articles over at Boston Sports Nation. That's B-O-S sportsnation.com. Um, I tend to do, um, you know, a little bit more op-ed, uh, numbers focused, stats focused stuff. So if that's something that appeals to you and, and you're listening because you're here for the Bruce Arena news, um, you know, go over there and, and give my stuff a, a look. And if it's uh, of interest to you, give me a follow over on Twitter or X. And I'm also over on threads. I think my name is, uh, Andy Resonation there as well. So if, if you're looking over on threads, you can find me there. And if you've followed me over the years, you know I'm a big stats guy. I haven't had as much time lately to, to focus on it, but I always really appreciate when Andy puts out his articles that are stats heavy. Uh, highly, if you if you liked my stuff in the past with stats, I highly recommend you follow Andy now for for his stuff because it's great. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Aldonahue. You can also follow me on Threads, although I don't really post there very often, so maybe don't. Um, you can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Revolution Recap. Plenty easy to find. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to music. I think you can also rate us on uh, what, Amazon's Audible. Uh, we have like one rating there. So if you're, if you're looking for a place to rate us where you haven't yet, that might be the one. Um, and be sure to check out our friends at The Blazing Musket for their great content covering the Revs, uh, as well as Revs Nation and Andy Judd. And thanks again for listening to Revolution Recap presented by Bet Online. We'll be back soon with another podcast.